0: Emily, it's me, your host Emily. I'm glad you're here. Episode 14, one of my favorites, The Sword in the Stone. I get to and fro, stop and go, stuck in my head all of the time. All the time. And I was more than a little excited to try to pull the sword out of the stone at Disney World. It should be of no surprise to anyone listening at this point that I'm more than a little excited to do just about anything at Disney World. <laughs> Disney Vacation Club/Annual Pass Holder is on my win the lottery dream list you have a dream list like that? It's kind of depressing. I try not to think about it too often, but I have put it on that list. A quick reminder that if you want to watch along with me, there's a printable copy of the challenge list available on my newsletter. The challenge being watching 48 animated Disney movies over the course of the summer, or you can get it in the show notes as well. And there's a new issue each week of the newsletter at just where I talk about pop culture, life lessons, and whatnot. <laughs> You can subscribe if you want to to make sure that you don't miss the conversation. It will get delivered to your email inbox every Sunday. Is that easy, guys? So last Friday, I had trouble coming up with a story. Today, today I have too many stories I can share. I mean, as I started watching the movie, they just kept popping into my brain. I could tell you about how weird I was as a kid. I mean, not only was I performing plays for my family in our garage, but I was also fascinated with King Arthur. During my last move, when I moved into my current home, I found an entire notebook, an entire notebook filled with research on the legends of England and British folklore. I don't entirely remember what I was doing with it. I mean, I think maybe I had planned to write a story someday. Or, I don't know, maybe initiate my own Glendower search for the Raven Boys, like in Maggie Stiefvater's just genius series. I'm not sure what I was doing with it, but I remember as a middle school student getting on the internet when I could and just researching King Arthur and King Arthur legends. I was obsessed. It was intense. Or I could tell you about my love of Renaissance fairs and my ridiculous dream of getting married at one. So if you go to the Ohio Renaissance Fair, they have this little chapel and it's a really cool place because it's built like a medieval village. So there's a a wall around, there's little shops, there's the jousting arena and off to the side is this adorable little chapel. And if you get married there, not only do you get to eat soup out of a bread bowl, but they also give you souvenir chalices and you get to participate in the daily parade. I mean, who wouldn't want to get married at a renaissance fair? I I just don't understand that. I do. I mean, that's probably why I'm still single, because I can't find anybody that would want to get married at a renaissance fair. I also have dreams that Muppets would be there as well, and we could reenact the, the song from The Muppets Take Manhattan as Kermit and Piggy are getting married. Oh, I'll stop now. I don't want you to think I'm too weird. Or... I could tell you about the time I took my best friend, who is actually the genius behind my newsletter and podcast logo, to Medieval Times for her birthday and how during some part of the show, I can't remember what part, but there were these guys that came running out into the arena with leather outfits on and they either, even had these leather masks and I was terrified, terrified. I started to panic that I had accidentally bought tickets to some weird sex thing because it reminded me too much of Pulp Fiction. It was not. It was just medieval times with jousting, and our night one, which was exciting. I think I got the rose from the night, but I didn't. I didn't dig the leather guys. I, I wasn't sure what they were all about. It's not out of the possibility though that that could have happened to us. We did accidentally end up at a naked Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas, which I'm still scarred from, to be completely honest. So. You know, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility, but thank goodness it was just medieval times. Or I could tell you about my summer at the Cinemark, where I went to see A Knight's Tale every single week for a month and a half because I thought it was the most brilliant movie ever made. I mean, they combined modern music, queen music, and then jousting. And Heath Ledger is there. And Alan Tudyk. I mean, what is not to love? I mean, I still love it to this day. I watch it all the time. I mean, not once a week for a month and a half, but again I I get into things have you noticed that I get a little intense about things or or last one I could tell you about my love for the tv show Merlin so if you're not familiar it was a I think it was a BBC made tv series and it follows this young goofy adorable version of Merlin who is Arthur's squire in Camelot and oh Giles from Buffy is Uther if that tickles your fancy at all. But Arthur, so he's also young, but he's kind of arrogant, but he's handsome. And he's he's learning how to be a prince. And he's open to things, which is nice. But he's this warrior that just has a lot to learn. And so these two, Merlin and Arthur, they form this really kind of fun friendship. And they get into a number of shenanigans. And there were five seasons. But I stopped at season four on purpose. I loved Arthur. Loved him. He was my favorite character, which... The weirdos that were also watching this show with me, they were all Merlin fans, which I understand Merlin was wonderful, but I was an Arthur girl and I knew how the story ended. I knew what was going to happen at the end of season five. And I was like, no, no, no. All that research I did in middle school, it's still stuck up in my brain somewhere, apparently. So I was like, no, I would rather live in ignorance, um, thinking that Arthur is fine and Camelot is just hunky-dory with him as the king instead of watching what's going to happen. And then they bet me something, and I can't remember what the bet was, but I lost, uh, which happens almost every single time because I'm, I'm not good at bets. Um, and they forced me to watch the fifth season, and I have never forgiven the weirdos who made me do that to this day. It, it just, it broke me a little bit. It broke me, and I just haven't been able to watch Merlin since there. I mean, I'm due for a rewatch probably, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some effort for me to do that. I've always been fascinated by knights and castles and chivalry. It's a a romanticized version of it all. I know that for sure. I mean, I would not want to go back in time to that particular time period. But the story of Arthur and the story of a leader who believes that might doesn't always mean right, from Camelot, beautiful musical, and that all knights, despite nobility of birth, deserve a seat at the table for the good of all the people. I mean, how can you not get behind that? And so the sword and the stone being kind of the origin story of of Arthur is just one of my favorites. But I'll stop talking about my weirdness now. Let's just, let's dive in. Let's dive into the movie. But first, an overly simplified summary of Disney's animated feature of The Sword in the Stone. So this young, awkward run of a boy who is destined for greatness meets a wizard who gets him into a whole lot of trouble in the spirit of education. Then one day at a jousting tournament, that boy forgets to bring his knight's sword, and he finds one just randomly stuck in a stone nearby, leading to his coronation as king of England. The end. that That wasn't my best summary. Not my best, but that's okay. Let's just, are you ready for the list? Let's just dive into the list. Number one. The movie starts out with a minstrel. I love a minstrel. It's just an easy, beautiful way to set context for the story. I mean, you get to do a quick rundown of background info, set the scene for the Dark Ages and Medieval times, and the opening singer doesn't really have anything on Roger Miller, though, as Alan and Dale and Robin Hood. But he has a he has a beautiful voice, regardless, and I thought it was a perfect way to kick off this particular movie. Number two, Merlin is cranky. He's cranky, but I, can you blame him really? I mean, I think I would be cranky too if I knew plumbing exists or, you know, would exist one day, but I don't have access to it. And hanging out with Archimedes all day, I mean, it just has to be a bit of a bummer. Uh, talking owl is cool. I don't love talking animals, but as animals go, Archimedes is pretty cool. But one with attitude, it just, it would not be a good time. I could only really handle him in small doses, I think. Number three. Do you think being able to see the future is a burden? I don't think I would like that superpower or magical ability. I mean, there would be a lot of pressure and expectation that comes along with that, especially if anyone found out you could do it. I mean, it's a pretty potentially lucrative party trick. And the fact that he did manage to keep it secret is is pretty interesting. And what if the future was great, but you knew you would never be a part of it? That would just suck. Or that the future was horrible and the people you loved would have to live in it? Oh, no, no, I don't think I would want that. I kind of think I'll just stick to ignorant bliss. I That might be the better way to go. Number four, let's talk about squirrels for just a minute. Just a minute, you know. You would think that a human transformed into a squirrel would have a different smell. I mean, wouldn't it still smell like a human? Did anybody else think about this? That redheaded squirrel, she spends a lot of time smelling squirrel wart. And you would think that if this squirrel noticed that this animal was talking instead of chirping that would have been sight enough that something was off but that the smell would do it if the talking didn't do it but then again maybe he did smell different and it was an attractive smell i mean i don't spend a lot of time observing squirrels in the wild they occasionally wander into my yard i only have one tree but there's usually just one which just kind of makes me sad after watching this movie, I think it would be really fun to see squirrels flirt with one another. I mean, that, th- these squirrel, female squirrels in the movie are pretty feisty. Number five, does Sir Hector really believe Kay has enough brains to be the King of England? I mean, he has to see that his son is lacking, right? He has zero ambition. He's not particularly graceful. Shows very little regard for anybody else. I mean, not like Sir Ector's this perfect man either. He at least acknowledges Wart's existence and does worry about him when he didn't come home with Kay at the beginning of the movie. So, I mean, there's some compassion there. But thank goodness for Sir Pellinore. he sees it, I guess. It's not like he does anything about it, but he does call it out, which is like a good first step, right? Can you imagine Kay as King of England? Oh, That would have been a much different story. Number six, how did Warwick become such a thoughtful, compassionate boy growing up in that environment? I mean, without any guardians modeling that type of behavior, kids are just so resilient and I hate that they have to be sometimes. I suppose that maybe is the whole point of the story, though. It was Wart's destiny to become King Arthur, the greatest of them all. I think that's what's so endearing about Wart is that all those lessons Merlin attempted to teach him, he already knew them all. He was already modeling them to everyone around him. Brains over brawn, the need for compassion, the world's not fair. Wart didn't need to become a fish or a squirrel or a bird to learn any of that. I mean, if if it taught him anything, it's that magic magic is trouble, and he should probably stay far away from it. But we'll get to that in a minute. Number seven, Mim. Mad, Mad, Mad Madam Mim. She is the best, hands down the best villain in the Disney animated vault. And I know she's not in it that much, but she's fantastic. She's Manic, a little curmudgeonly woman that hides away in a forest cottage, has her own theme song. Just love a good theme song that somebody makes up for themselves. Smiles, the whole time when she's causing chaos, has just a constant smile on her face. And doesn't need a silly wand to wield magic. Merlin doesn't use the wand the whole time. Wizards stool, but she doesn't even bring one out in the first place. I just adore her confidence, that little skip she does when she walks, how she makes up her own rules and expects everybody else to follow them, even though she has no plan to do so, and her inclusion of vegetables as a nope in the wizard's stool. Why no vegetables? But most of all, I love her mischievous, infectious laugh. I mean, as for the wizard's duel, I'm very impressed with their ability to think so quickly. I would be horrible at quickly deciding what creature I should turn into. There is absolutely zero chance that I would win the duel. Number eight. Where are all of the women in this world? There's two. Two whole women. One a cranky housekeeper and the other a cranky magician. Not one woman is even at the tournament. They don't even show one in the background. I mean, no wonder it's the Dark Ages. They've gotten rid of all the ladies. Number nine. I like how this tiny boy pulls the sword from the stone and then they just toss him on the throne. (laughs) They just put a giant crown on his head and call it a day. I mean, nobody's even in there in the throne room with him. I mean, he runs and he just hears cheers outside and they're like, yep, you just figure it out on your own. Poor kid. And number 10. Bermuda Merlin looks fly. I mean, I love that he's sporting red converse. Why he would return to a world without plumbing, I just don't understand. And he seemed eager to do so, which just baffles me. But I thought we should maybe recap Merlin's magical abilities just a bit. So we've already talked about the foretelling of the future. Potentially problematic on a couple different levels. As for the packing with the flick of a wand and a flamboyant bit of spell work, can you imagine having your entire life packed into one bag in a matter of minutes? (sighs) sounds lovely. I I mean, I'm not sure what unpacking is like. It didn't seem overly organized, but I would definitely consider moving in again if that was an option. If I could just flick a wand and then everything was in a little case. I need to find me Hermione Granger. She could do that for me too. Merlin's magic is a little confusing, though. It's more than just transformation. He's able to animate things to do his bidding. He's able to fly into the future. He's able to disappear altogether, but could Merlin really not use magic to keep his tower dry when he goes and stays in the castle tower at, at Wart's home and it's raining on him, that he couldn't do anything about that? I kind of find that hard to believe. And finally, automated cleaning, much like the automated packing, seems like a good idea on the surface, but in the end it turns out to be just a whole lot more trouble than it's worth. I mean, it didn't work out so well for Mickey either in Fantasia, right? So how useful is magic, really? It just seems more trouble than it's worth so that was the list for today. Why don't we see if there's any life lessons hidden in there? I mean, some are not hidden. we've already talked about a few, like while wart didn't so much need to be taught the things Merlin was offering, I suppose it was good to see the ideas in practical application, broaden his worldview that. Brains are better than brawn. I mean, brawn has its place in time. It really does. But you should always start with using your wits, reading a situation, seeing what options you have available to you. If you're using your brain, it should hopefully never get to the point of throwing blows. Lesson two, there's always going to be something bigger than you, something smarter than you, someone with a different agenda. That's just life. And the sooner you come to terms with that, the faster you'll learn to react in tense situations. Number three, This one's a little one. It's not as obvious or as loud, and it goes back to the gentle, sweet nature of Wart. A quick line, he says, as Merlin is turning the kitchen upside down with magical cleaning. Wart says, I was supposed to do it. I mean, it's a little line. It's a throwaway line, but I think it speaks volumes to his character. He wasn't looking for an easy way out. He wasn't afraid of the work. He was taking responsibility for himself. Were the demerits fair for telling the truth about almost being eaten by a giant fish? No. No, there's nothing fair about the way he is sometimes treated, but he works hard. He does what's expected of him, or at least he tries. Until Merlin comes and just messes things up. He takes pride in his work, and we get to see that what during um Kay's training montage too. He's running around. He's putting the the jousting dummies joust back up. He's you know he's working hard, and it's that hard work, that ownership of self, that generosity of heart that creates the legend of Arthur. And we see it in that little boy. Kind of love that. And, and it's something that we have tried to teach teens at the library that people watch what you do and you earn respect for putting effort into the things that you do. The final wrap up. I love this one. I love Wart's purity, Merlin's cantankerous attitude, Archimedes' complaining, Mim's flair for the dramatic. I mean, it's highly rewatchable, just as a good Disney movie should be. It would be better with more women, though, but apparently it needed a flaw. My favorite scene? No contest. The wizard's duel. Merlin turns into a goat. That should be enough said. <laughs> favorite song? It's of course to and fro. I mean, it's one of those songs I find myself humming without notice. It's got a, a peppy beat. And finally favorite quote, this was something Merlin says in response to Wart's question after being a squirrel. That love business is a powerful powerful thing, greater than gravity? Well, yes. In its way, yes. I'd say it's the greatest force on earth. I did a little lazy internet research. Um, This was the first time Richard and Robert Sherman contributed their talents to a Disney animated film, which is pretty cool. And according to Walt Disney World Magazine, they would go on to score Disney theme park attractions like It's a Small World, um, The Enchanted Tiki Room, Carousel of Progress, and Journey into Imagination. So it's very cool that this is the one that kind of got them started in the animated realm. So what do you think of The Sword in the Stone? You love it, right? You love it? You should. It's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, it's okay if you don't, though. All are welcome here. But I would love to hear your thoughts about the movie. A quick rundown of what else I've watched. The Princess and the Frog. That one gets better each time I watch it. The music is fantastic. Tiana is a strong, independent woman. I maybe would have liked it a little more had she not been so willing to change her dreams for a man. But it is the story of the frog prince, and dreams can change, so I can cut her some slack. I watched Pocahontas too. Ugh. So much I have a problem with. The songs are good. I like a lot of the songs, but the voice acting just lacks heart. And you have some big names doing voice acting in this one. I mean, John Smith is just a horrible character. And it's so historically inaccurate that it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's it's not on my frequent rotation. And I watched Aladdin, which I just, I adore. I really liked the live action that came out a couple years ago. I don't know why it wasn't more widely happily received, but I thought it was pretty good. It was a good, faithful interpretation of the original movie, but I just, I've always loved Aladdin. That first song, the, when he's running through the marketplace, my favorite song in the whole movie. But you guys, that's it for today. Let's let's just cut me off. That's it. Thank you so much for listening, really. It is so, so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review, but only if it's nice, please. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as A Bit of Fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you next time. Bye.